0: Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Bill O'Hare and we're talking about hitting midlife. And Bill, I got to tell you, when I was growing up, I thought, oh my God, 50 seems so old. I couldn't imagine myself ever being 50. Now that I am 50, I love every minute of it. It is so much fun. I wish I had known how great it could be at 50, because honestly, in my 20s, I was building, 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 you know, getting educated. Then in my 30s, I'm, I'm, I'm building my business, building my family. In my 40s, everything crashes, falls around, uh, you know, down around my ears. And in my 50s, I'm having a ball. And who knew? Who knew this would happen? But you did, because you know something about how the ancients used to view the magical age of 50.
1: That's, I'm, Sandra, this is one of my favorite topics, and it's definitely my second book. And what you said is so powerful, because what you think you know in your 20s, what you think you know in your teens is like, okay, I know, you know, I'm getting through high school, you get to your 20s, like, gosh, I kind of know everything, you know, I'm 28, like, what's there to know? I, you know, for me, I had already made some good money. I was living in London. I'm like, I know everything. I get to my thirties. I'm like, man, I didn't know anything in my thirties. I, I didn't know anything in my twenties. I get to my forties and I'm like, God, I didn't know. Did he do? In my, and like you said, when I, so our fifties is so powerful and it is a powerful time timeframe um, because as, as we were saying before in the ancient cultures, kind of the original cultures, the men, you just men for a second really weren't taken seriously until they got to their 50s because it's water under the bridge. You have to have what Daniel Goldman calls emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is the is the your emotional brain and your and your rational brain coming together. And they really powerfully start coming together in your 50s, 50s, 60s and 70s. In fact, Daniel Goldman says just real quickly, he's a success for a male or female. Once they get 20 to 20 plus years into their career, all their success is based on EQ, not IQ. All their success is based on emotional awareness, knowing the room and using the experience of your forties. Now you're into your fifties that you didn't have in your thirties.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, you and I look at at a really successful manager or business, whatever it is, he's 35, 36, fantastic, super smart, super successful. But you and I look at it going, listen, he's still got about 15 more years of really understanding what the world's like what how things, you know, how to manage self. And so you're, you're right. And I think the key to our 50s, what I'm learning, I'm 55, is we have to work a little bit harder at our health to maintain the physical temple that we're carrying. But if we maintain that health, our wisdom brings a sense of relief almost, or brings a sense of, we were talking about it It kind of lightens our load because we've done a lot of stuff. Sure. You and I still want to build stuff because that's the creative process, but you're right. There's this, um, for me, I tell my, my daughters, they're like, dad, I can't believe you were just very honest. You're very candid. You said that to the person I said, listen, by the time you get to your fifties, you really don't care what other people think about you. Right. Which is different when you and I were 35.
0: Well, and you realize, like, it's, it's, I, I wonder if it's not so much, I don't care what people think about me. It's the understanding that I realize people don't think about me like that. Like, seriously, like, it's not so much about me. It's like, how many times have you said something to somebody? Like, this is the funny part, Bill. Like, you know, I have, I've been being treated for stage 3C melanoma. So I'm going to chemo, doing all this stuff. It's a long treatment. It's 14 months. And- how many times do people look shocked when I say, oh, that's right, I have chemo coming up next week. Oh, my God, that's right, you have cancer. Okay, if you can't remember that I have cancer month to month, how are you going to care about my hair, my weight, my clothes, my job, my car, you know, all these stupid things that we think people look at us for and judge. They don't. They're so busy with their own lives. They can't even keep track of somebody who's fighting a near fatal disease. So, that's so you know, that's so we, spot on. That's we so laugh bad. about it, but all the things we worry about, nobody else even sees.
1: Yeah, you're spot on. And, and so one of the things I'm thinking about for the next, for kind of doing more research on is managing our resentment. I always say, when you get to your 50s, you know, you're, not, you're kind of cooked in the sense you've had your career, you know, your, your career is still absolutely moving, but you got your family. And that what I found debilitating in, in my practice when talking to people and friends is, you know, you get to your late 40s, early 50s. And if you haven't really done what you've wanted to do in your life, whatever that is, what happens, I believe, is when you get to your 50s, it's calcifying even more. It's like weighing on you even more because you're like, oh, my gosh, I've only got 20 plus years left. I don't have 35 years in front of me. And funny enough, that was just my brother who was calling me, who's kind of going through this right now. And a lot of guys do. I think my wife's the same way. She's in her mid-50s as well. So really, the 50s is, is it's, there's that sense of freedom and relief, but there's also, if there's that wall of resentment that you're kind of swirling in, or is that sense of it, it's really a time to turn towards it and dialogue with it.
0: Absolutely. You know, when, when I got divorced, Bill, I was, you know, 39, I had these two little babies, you know, three months old and three years old. And I had to go through a foreclosure. And so I was had to drive out to Flagstaff to the place where my 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 place was and empty it out and I did it all by myself I got care for my kids and I was man was I feeling sorry for myself I cried all over the place and gotten my rental truck you know with all my belongings thinking I'm the world's giant loser and only person ever to go through a fractious divorce and I stopped at the Grand Canyon on the way home not to jump but right. just to take a walk along the rim because I figured if I could look at the like you you know how they say the layers of sediment are like years of time. And so I'm walking along this, this three mile path or whatever, you know, bawling my eyes out, going, Oh, I know it's not anything. There's like millions of eons here, but I'm a. Uh. And I sat on the edge just to take a rest, and this bus pulls up okay and the bus unloads all these traveler women and they were probably a little older than me but up into like the 70s and 80s and these couple of girls sit down on the bench ladies or women i should say behind me and i'm i i will say i'm a radio host i'm a notorious eavesdropper i oh, love a
1: boy your from you. experience oh. oh
0: yeah like if i can listen to somebody's oh, conversation yeah. i'm there yeah. Um, sometimes I'll even chime in, but most of the time I'm just, you know, listening and they were talking about their divorces, talking about how much they hated their ex husbands, how much. And one of the ladies turned around to her friend. Cause I'm kind of like watching them through my sunglasses. And she says, well, how long have you been divorced? And she's like 22 years. And this was a bus full of women, divorce, recovery, blah, blah, blah. And I made a promise to myself on the Grand Canyon that day that I will not be living this story from the past that is so far over. And yeah, there's ramifications that carry forward, you know, from any traumatic experience, but you can't live in it. Correct. And that's the thing that I think when people make poor choices in career, they don't reach for their goals. They they might have a big fat failure like I did. I had a big fat failure of a marriage, like, but it didn't define me. Now, did it propel me to do different things, to make different choices? Did I have to have a come to Jesus with myself? Like, wow, Sandy really blew it on that one, you know, and but that was okay, Bill, because where is it written that everything in our life is supposed to be perfect? You know, the world is not a 30-minute sitcom where, <laughs> like on the Brady Bunch, you know, they can have the most traumatic thing happen
1: right. with, you know, yeah. Tiger
0: in the middle of the yeah, episode. Yeah,
1: journey fits neatly to a 30-minute segment, yeah.
0: Right, but I think that many of us who were raised on that kind of 70s TV learned a lesson that we were supposed to be able to fix these things and everything would be all right in the end. Yep. Well, not everything is all right in the end. People die, people get sick, people get divorced, people sue, people have accidents, they lose limbs, they lose use of things and it's not okay in the end. And we have to be okay with accepting what is
1: totally.
0: if we're going to move on.
1: You nailed it. So you you nailed it.
0: Bill, I'm just going to stop you for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor has been with us all year long, and we're really grateful for them. Our sponsor today is Best Fiends, and that's Friends without the R. And for those of you who haven't played this game yet, you're going to love it. So I want you to download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or at Google Play. That's Friends without the R, Best Fiends. And one of the things that I like about this is it gives me a really good brain break, and sometimes things are. Aren't going right in my company or in my household, you know, we're very stressful times and boy, do you get a rush of adrenaline when you beat a level and it helps me de-stress and, um, you know, in between all the different things that I have to do, there's some dead time and the dead time isn't long enough to even throw in a load of laundry, but I can sure play a round of best fiends and my gosh, it is been my constant companion since April or May and it just sets me off in a good mood the music is good and you're never going to run out of levels because there's like 5000 and counting so if you can even get to 3000 I'd be amazed and there's always an update and there's fun challenges and you know all sorts of different themes that they have for the holidays so that's kind of fun and Boy, don't blame me if you end up totally obsessed like I am. So download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You're going to be glad you did because the music is good. The characters are cute. It's kind of a little take me away moment and I can reset and then go back to my daily life. So go ahead, download Best Fiends free today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. You'll be glad you did. Now, Bill, you wanted to tell me a little bit about your favorite quote coming from Carl Jung.
1: Carl Young, the greatest, probably one of the top five greatest thinkers of all time. That's my, you know, humble New Jersey opinion. He says, he, one of the most powerful things he ever said was, in order to change anything, we have to accept it. Yeah. And so, and so talking about being in our 50s and having a chunk of resentment, whatever it is, career, family, you know, <clears throat> making the wrong decisions when you're 32... So we can we can talk about okay I'm gonna go back and accept it okay oh uh, all right I just accept it no 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 you have to vibrationally accept it. So what we do in our practice is we we you know we take these 50 year olds and we relax them and we go back to when you were 32 and you actually relax and in the inner space you dialogue with that 32 year old going at 32 you only knew what you knew right and so at some point you vibrationally in your feeling state in your feeling body go God I just I made that decision. I mean, I, I could do it right now. 15 years ago, I had a choice and I've been kind of beating myself up a little bit over the, you know, over the last couple of years. And I finally went back and I hung out with that 39 year old myself. And you know what? We both decided I, all, it's all I knew. Right. And so if you can just kind of loosen up the, the, have that dialogue, it'll loosen up the resentment in your 50s. Cause I think resentment and frustration is really the only barrier to to having this celebratory experience in our fifties, Sandra, I really do. Cause then you, I I love my fifties. Like, this is great. You know, and then you have those pockets of like, Oh my God, what am I doing? You'll always have them. But I think freeing yourself up by, by kind of really, really vibrationally accepting something. And then I can come forward today and make changes because we struggle to make changes. If resentment has just got its grip on us. That's That's it.
0: It's like an ugly, unwelcome relative that won't leave the house or like a big, heavy backpack full of rocks. Totally, and it's right in front of the door.
1: Yeah, and it's right in front of the door and it's so hard to move. And you're like, if I could just move that old ant or that box of rocks away. Um, But it takes emotional work. And I think that's the biggest thing is that the hardest thing for all human beings is to go back to old feelings. Yeah, we have to go back to, at some level, we don't we don't dwell on them. We go back to understand what was the information and the lesson. Life is a lesson. It's constantly unfolding, and life is the teacher. So whatever that moment was, where decisions were made, you did the best you could. Refeel it. Go cathartic, 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 and you loosen it up. And then you come back. You're like, okay, all right. I think I can. So it's constantly trying to regenerate a sense of self by kind of lifting up and trying to free up whatever that is that's that's blocking us that that's that's kind of my take on it i don't know if it's yeah accurate. no
0: i do the same thing i only i only enact it a little bit differently i use a piece of paper and Beautiful. when a feeling comes up you know like sometimes I'm reaching for goals in my career or in my new relationship and I I get like you know what you blew the last marriage like (laughs) oh no you know (laughs) that kind of thing comes up and then so I'll like literally grab a piece of paper and pen or a napkin if that's all I have Hmm. and I'll write like what is really going on here Sam and that's like my first line like what's going on and then I'll say well I'm scared because I blew my last relationship so bad that I'm afraid I'm going to wreck this one and then I'll say to myself, like, well, let's go back and talk to Old San. What didn't you know? And Old San will say, well, I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. And then I'm like, okay, so thank you for that. I'll do the best I can do, you know, at this time. Because I think, Bill, as I look at all the big mess-ups in my life, and I'm one of those people who doesn't mess up a lot. I save them all for one giant mess-up. Like, I don't have a lot of little ones. I just have some big, fat lobby, you know, fly balls into, like, you know, center field. Um, Oh, that's great. But most of it is... The lesson, if you're looking for the lesson and you can't find it, the lesson for me is always you're human. It happened. It's okay. And you have to forgive yourself and move on. Yeah. Because we can't go back. You know, that'll fit for a divorce. That'll fit for, you know, job mistakes right. or critical things. You can go to jail. You can do all sorts of things. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the story is different. But the theme is the same. Absolutely. You did it. Own it. You know, make your reparations if that's what you need to do, say you're sorry, do something nice for someone. If, you know, in in places in my life where I wasn't, you know, the shining example of virtue, I can go and do something like raise pajamas for the pajama project or dump a bunch of toys in the toys for tots. I can do something physical with what I have. I can volunteer my time. I can pay it back spiritually. Yeah. Maybe I can't reach that person. They're dead. Maybe I don't want to reach that person because I have a restraining order against them. I mean, <laughs> all sorts of good things like that. But, but if it's
1: beautiful, day, you're talking about like making your amens with yourself and then putting that energy out there. Right. So yeah. when, when the humanity puts energy out there, there's all the science behind it. The energy that it brings back and that sense of connection and wholeness is like tenfold. Yeah. And what happens is the resentment and stuff. If, if we we then it's literally again we calcify. So we're not putting ourselves out there. and We're holding back. And if you're not living, you're you know you're dying away a little bit. So I, I love I love what you're talking about. I mean it's just so um, it, it, you know it's 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 the work that's got to be done. You know, and I think that's that's what's opportunity in our midlife. You know, they call it a mid actually means opportunity. Um, you know, and and again, you have to, you have to do the work, but no, it's, it's, um, it's awesome. And you have
0: to say it out loud, you know, as a radio host for almost 20 years, I've learned the power of saying it out loud. You know, a lot of people will say they don't want to talk about their divorce. They don't want to talk about they got fired. They don't want to talk about, you know, the mistakes they made or the things they did. Maybe they cheated on someone. They lied on something, whatever. When you say it out loud, you realize, like, it's not scary and people don't care. I mean, unless maybe I said I'm a serial killer and I have a <laughs> in my basement, so- you know, people are going to care. Yeah. But most of the stuff we carry, that deep, dark shame part of us, our shadow side, like, oh my gosh, this happened to me, and oh, you know, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so ashamed, I'm so blah, blah, oh, screw it. Yeah. If you just say it, most of the time, people will <laughs> laugh, you will laugh, it'll be uncomfortable for a moment, and then it's over. And people and you don't know, walk around. Yeah. After the fact, like, oh, Bill O'Haron did this. Did you know that when he was 24, he lied on his tax returns? Exactly you know,
1: exactly. they, yeah.
0: nobody does that.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, on a much bigger scale, which is so what you're saying is so spot on, the amount of time people think about me is basically zero. And that was one of the <laughs> biggest insights I got in therapy like 25 years ago. The therapist was like, well, you realize, Bill, you're really worried about blah, blah, blah. Take a guess how often people are thinking about you, and I'm like, oh my god, nobody is. So why am only I only when they about- want something? like
0: right. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, you're like not in their mind. But if they need a ride to the mall, if you know, you learn this with teenagers. Like, wow, you don't really see me at all until you need a ride to the mall. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. It's so true.
0: You know. Yeah. Because that was one of the biggest crocks of like SHIT that I learned in marriage therapy was the kind of concept of if I'm happy... Then everyone else will be happy. This is just the justification for an affair or a divorce is I need to do what makes me happy. And if I'm happy, everyone else will be happy. Well, I can tell you when my ex-husband left and he left for someone else and he had a nice new girlfriend and a nice new house and everything. I have the old house, the old payments, the old kids, like the whole thing. We were not happy. (laughs) The kids were not happy. Like one person declaring that their happiness is somehow going to supersede and make everything okay is just the height of narcissism. So if your sp- your partner, your boss, your spouse, anybody says, well, if I'm happy, the most important thing is that I'm happy. Mm. And if I'm happy, then everyone else will be happy. No, oh, <laughs> it does exactly. not work.
1: Exactly. It's so funny. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And, and kind of just kind of continuing the thread of, of this kind of midlife is, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of resumption of divorces or, you know, or, or you know, people get, you know, they kind of have their kids in the 30s and 40s and suddenly in their 50s. And it's two couples looking at each other and they don't really know each other. Like, you know, things have changed, but they haven't changed together. Right. Um, you see, you know, big, pretty big statistics on people ending up getting divorced after 15, 20 years of marriage into their late 40s and early 50s. One really powerful thing, and as you were talking about, you know, sharing with other people, the most important thing in a in, the dyad, in a, in a, in a, in a partnership is friendship. Yes. The research that they've done, it's called the Madeira project. It was this 15 year longitudinal study. And then they studied divorced people and interviewed them for 10 or 15 years after they were divorced. And the two biggest things that came out, the one was, it was a constant resentment towards each other that never went that, that couldn't get undone. But they said the most important thing that why people fail to stay together is they lost the friendship.
0: Absolutely. And it's what
1: you were talking about. It's about, you know, friendship is about you get married, you have a romance, but if that person's not your friend, well, you can't go out and you have you fart together. You, you know, you trip over to something and they both laugh because that's what friends do. And right. I think in our fifties, Sometimes we get too serious or like, oh my God, and, and we don't relax into resuming a friendship with the person that's been with us for 10, 20, 50 you know, how many years? And so I think that I don't know why I did that just popped into my head, but you know, I think it's really important to to re to to find the teenager in us to rekindle and find the teenager in our partner. And, and, and be celebratory, even if we're in our 50s and, you know, we're, we're gray and, you know, whatever, find that moment of glee. You got to find that joyous little points of the friendship.
0: fun! This is yeah. what I'm going to tell you, is the fun. Like, and I can tell you from being a 50-year-old and doing dating is that and i'm really kind of i don't mean to be hurtful to the men that i go out to dinner with but i'll just say it like it is like i went out to dinner you know a year ago with a phd from NASA, really smart guy he was so nice but all he did was complain about his investments he bought this airplane you know a little piper cub and the gas was so expensive and finally at the end of the dinner he's like wow you're a really great listener i'd like to see you again and i said I don't want to see you. And he said, What? And I'm like, All you did the whole dinner was complain. I said, I'm looking for somebody who wants to enjoy life, who's fun. And he goes, I'm fun. And I said, How would I know? And, you know, I have these experiences. And, you know, if you are my age and you are out dating and looking for someone, try not to use the word hate on a date. Yeah, Because when you say, I hate Christmas, I hate this, I hate that. Most people, it's like the kind of, I call it the the Vegas buffet effect, Bill. They don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. So sitting down and telling you a laundry list of the things that you don't want isn't Mm going to get you what you want. And I'll tell you the one, the two people in my life that have captured my heart one of them was a guy who sat down, and I still I still see him on a regular basis. He sat down, and the first thing he got so nervous, Bill, the water bottle not, you know, the glass knocked over, then he's rattling the, the plate. And then he's like, Oh my god. He's like, <laughs> yes. I have to start over. And he got up, he walked out to the restaurant, oh, oh, and god. then he came back in and he's like, Hi, I'm so." So I was laughing so hard and I'm like, okay, he gets it. He's not human. This isn't a job interview, you know? And most of the time, Bill, he's got a PhD. I have an MBA. We laugh at like stupid Adam Sandler movies, like giggle, like kids send each other memes, like, you know, the, the, the memes that are going around that are just funny. Yeah. Yeah, And we laugh. And it's oh. like these two eggheads, you think they would be talking about, you know, how <laughs> exactly. to save the building, world.
1: Building empires. Yeah. Right.
0: And it's like, you know what? There is an element of that. But most of the time, we're just having fun. Yeah. Because what's the point of being with someone if you don't have fun?
1: And man, that's so spot on. And, and part of the, and I know I sound like a broken record, but part of finding that fun in someone else is finding that fun inside ourselves, yeah. even before we get to that spot. And how do we do that? Relax and go back to your fifth grader in every single one of my practice exercises in my counseling practice. It's every single session I do with somebody, I relax them and we go back to when they were in third grade. Yeah. Why? Because third grade was kind of that butterflies and, da, da, da. and the 55 year old, the 52 year old, the six year old has to go back to that third grade butterfly sense of feeling because he or she is still inside the third grader is still inside us. So if you can do that before a date, relax yourself, go back, go, go paint something or just physically, you know, go paint something, get into that relaxed state. And then when you go out, you're going to be in a motion. You're going to be moving. You're going to be, um, you know, part of your own stream and, and you won't take yourself as seriously. Well, and
0: Bill, I'm going to wrap up our episode with this because I'm really good at dating after 50 and I'm just going to give people my advice. This is for men and for women. So when you're getting ready for a date and when you go on your date and you see that person, especially if they're new for the first time, like a blind date, think about dodgeball, okay? Remember when we would play dodgeball as kids? So the first thing I do is think, If I take this ball and I just fire it at you as hard as I can across the dinner table or the movie theater, the barbecue or wherever you are, how would this person react? (laughs) And I kind of watch for that because life is a dodgeball. And sometimes I'm going to whip a ball at you, Bill. Sometimes you're going to whip a ball at me and you're not going to mean to. Right. You know, my friend Mark says, like, Stan, I love you because you can take a punch. <laughs> but the dodgeball, like, if you get hit with a dot, you remember in dodgeball how people would react. You have love. the girl that's like, oh, my God, why right. did you hit me? Okay, right. done. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you have the yeah. guy that falls to the ground and be like, oh, yeah. my God, I've broken my rib. <laughs> done. You know, I oh, want somebody man. who's going to scramble around the ground, pick it up, and throw it back to me.
1: <laughs> I love so that. You're right, because you, how people react in those kind of uncomfortable situations really defines who they are. It, it really does. does. Yeah.
0: And that's it. That's the dodgeball effect. You are welcome to I use that.
1: I am. Books. I'm going to use it. I'm writing it down. Oh. You're the best.
0: So, Bill, how can people find out more about your book?
1: Oh, thank you. Yep. Um, they can go on Amazon. It's called Waking Up Marriage, Finding Truth Inside Your Partnership. Only took me about, you know, nine years to write it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for, for asking uh, yep. Yeah, so Waking Up, Waking Up Marriage on Amazon. Um, uh, and last name is O'Heron, Bill O'Haron And uh, it comes out October 22nd. I'm really excited. Um, and can't thank you enough, Sandra. i love talking to you. I could talk to you all day
0: me too me too we'll be back again next week with another great episode if you liked the episode today with bill o'haron you can go ahead and find another episode um a couple months ago look at it in the queue we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on iHeartRadio, google play apple Podcasts, itunes you can find us anywhere look for bill o'haron we will be having him back in the coming months we're going to talk about getting through the christmas season the holiday season together as a couple when we Been together for like the last 10 months. So he didn't know this. I sprung it on him right now, but we'll be back again next week and we'll be back in a couple months with another great episode with Bill O'Haron. Thanks and have a great week.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips tricks and techniques
1: on coach.